happened. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And much like the characters in this show, I am in two minds about this episode, which, by the way, is Season 7, Episode 20. Is this Henry Mills? Is this Henry Mills? Is this Henry Mills? I don't know, I'm just trying to figure out the right, like... Emphasis. Yes. Yeah. So, we're really in Endgame here. I mean, you pointed out when you are watching this episode that this should be the last episode. Honestly, the only reason this isn't the finale is that you really can't end Once Upon a Time without going back to Storybrooke. So that's what the final two episodes are. We're so close to the end and they are... I was going to say they're tripping at the finish line, but maybe... I maybe... mean, this whole thing was kind of a drunken stumble to the finish line, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, but what are your two minds? Okay, on one hand, I feel like this episode does do a few things pretty well. I'm going to get into my pros and cons with this episode as we talk about it, because also almost none of it stuck with me, other than the fact that they backtracked so much just so that they could have a plot this episode. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know if I like this episode or not. So I guess we'll watch it, and when we get to the end, I'll know if I liked it or not. Yeah, fair. So as a reminder, last time we found out that Mother Gothel was actually a nature spirit. Oh my god. Who Did wiped, not like that. Yeah, who wiped out all human life on Earth. I'm doing finger quotes here. Thousands of years ago. And destroyed all magic on this world thus creating the world without magic and then she left to wait for humanity to re-evolve and come back so she could come back and undo destroying all magic and then re-kill every person on earth uh-huh yep yeah okay also previously bell and rumpelstiltskin were in love and she gave him a up style our love was the adventure the whole time book mm and Rumple is trying to be a, a good boy so he can get into heaven and be bit with her again. Wasn't there like a, one of those 50s teen death songs that was kind of about that? You know, I need to be... Yes. I'm sorry, I like have, I have it like almost in my head. I can almost sing it. Yeah. It's like, I need to be good so I can... So see- I can see my baby when I leave this world. Yeah. But I don't remember what the hook is, so I don't remember which song, which of the many, many teen death songs that is. That should make a comeback as a genre, shouldn't it? I mean, millennials are all about dying, or Gen Z are all about dying, so everyone's all about dying. Yeah, but most of those teen death songs involved cars, and millennials can't afford cars. Mm. So, like, well, you can just change them to be about climate change. Oof. Baby, there's no breathable air left. Well, I guess I'll die then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Come on. Come on, musicians in our audience. Come up with a fun new teen death song. Ooh, I want a teen death song called This Is Fine. So, teen death songs aside, 
Mother Gothel has started her new plan to freshly destroy all humanity and has recruited her daughter Alice into it. Alice, who is the guardian, who is the person who is destined to undo Dark Oneness. Also, Alice is Captain Hook's daughter, and Captain Hook has a poisoned heart so that he can't be near his daughter. Mm. Also, Henry and Jacinda kissed, but for some reason that did not lift the curse. Yes, for some deeply asinine reason, as we find out this episode, it did not break the curse. Yeah, not a fan, not a fan. But this episode opens with Lucy running to tell Regina that... Jacinda and Henry kissed, but the curse isn't broken, so what the hell? And Regina's like, oh man, we have way bigger problems. Gothel is like seconds from ending the world. Also, Henry has a poison heart. Don't let him kiss your mom. And Lucy's like, no, Baron Samedy fixed it. And Regina's like, oh, huh. It's almost like that plot was forced and didn't really contribute much. Yep. And then Gothel shows up and is like, this is my plot now, bitches. She tells Regina that Regina was once part of her coven of eight, which, really? I mean, she helped you cast the Dark Curse to save Henry's life. Does that count as being part of your coven? I guess, I guess it does. So, to reward her for helping her cast the Dark Curse, she's going to give Regina a chance to save her family now? I want to point out that Regina in this scene is wearing a leather jacket with flowers on it. Which feels like it's trying to build up her connection with Gothel. Hmm. And I really, really appreciate, especially with Regina, how hard the costumers have worked this season to make up for the lack of intelligible plot in the script. I mean, that's always been sort of a thing with Once Upon a Time. The costume department tries really hard. I mean, there's no logical connection between Regina and Gothel. And the costume department is like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Leather jacket with flowers on it. We just, we gotta do what we gotta do, man. So Lucy accuses Gothel of doing something to Henry to stop him from believing. And Gothel has this dumb speech about how, haven't you ever noticed how human children stop believing as they get older? And Regina's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Okay, this made me so angry. Your belief dies as you age. A fundamental part of, santa claus stories Mm. has never ever been a part of once upon a time people lose their belief as they get older has never been a theme so to introduce it now at endgame to justify henry not breaking the curse is terrible and of course i'm screaming at the television right now at this point and Henry has the heart of the truest believer. And then the show's like, oh no, we thought of that. Because Regina says, but Henry has the heart of the truest believer. It's a literal goddamn superpower he used in the world without magic last season, or two seasons ago? Two seasons ago. But I feels like, it feels like a million years ago though. But then Gothel's like, oh, heart of truest believer. You thought I forgot about it. No, it just turns out it's nothing. No, you can't just, goddamn you show. I'm going to be saying this a few times over the course of this episode. You know what this reminds me of? What? Charmed. Okay. Charms issues with continuity. For example, there's an episode, like in later Charmed, where the Charmed ones talk about how they can't travel back in time. And Piper's like, but wait, 
we did back in season one and leo's like that was a special case because the elders allowed you to and it's like no it wasn't also characters time travel all the time in charmed Charmed does have a lot of problems with its own internal continuity like foreshadowing our welcome to hellwell manor y'all mm. but yeah no there's also the thing about whether or not you can be with a white lighter yeah as a witch or the fact that if you go back to a speaking of time travel if you go back to a point in time before you were born you don't have magical powers except for chris who's there for about a season before he's born and yet has magic powers out the wazoo well i mean to be fair it's pretty obvious that they changed their mind halfway through about who and what chris was hmm does that remind you of anything this season in Once Upon a Time? Good but, segue. Good segue. But I do appreciate, I guess I appreciate the fact that Mother Gothel just says, oh yeah, no, that's not a thing. She what? Does, she doesn't even try to explain why the heart of the truest believer isn't a thing. She's just like, oh, you thought we forgot about that? We didn't. We're just not acknowledging why. Ugh. Also, we all saw Henry's Pepe de Silvia boards. You're trying to tell me he doesn't believe enough? Literally, in the last episode, Lucy runs in and he's like, Oh, Lucy, we believe you now. We're totally a hundred and super million percent committed to this. I just, uh, it was the last episode. And this whole episode is going to be about Henry believing again when he believed last episode. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, buckle in. Yeah, Mother Gothel teleports off since Regina refused her offer and she's going to destroy the world better this time, I guess. I guess. So, the flashback this episode is to Storybrooke on yep. the day of Henry's graduation. Where Henry has grown a lot in his, between 11th grade and 12th grade okay you thought that was weird but people usually have a growth spurt around 18 or 19 so this was just his final growth spurt yeah but he jumped up a lot like the gap there is bigger than any other gap we see yeah hence growth spurt henry's getting ready to go to his first day of senior year and regina brings him his tron lunchbox and he's like mom fucking 18 hold on wait he's like mom I'm like 18 now. I'm not a little kid. He has his hair parted kind of weird. It's not like... I thought he looked fine. He looks fine. It's just, it's kind of a weird hair part. I don't think it's weird. I think it's, I think it's just different than what we're used to and so it's throwing you. Yeah, probably. But Regina's like, just take the fucking lunchbox, kid. And he takes it and he opens it and there's a key inside, like a car key. Betty feels like a real douche now. Right. Also, she put a keychain on the key that says Henry, like in case he thought that she had just misplaced her keys inside the lunchbox. <laughs> Henry, I expect you to eat this entire key for lunch. So Regina's like, here's your car, because I'm tired of driving you, plus you'll need it to drive to Storybrooke University okay. next year. Is this suddenly season four of Buffy? Oh, by the way, this town also has a college. <laughs> right? Well, at least here it makes sense. In Sunnydale, it's kind of weird, but we know that Storybrooke grows and shrinks as needed. So now that people are aging, I bet the very first time that someone who was 17 in the curse aged into being 18, a university sprang into existence. You know what? I, I said that, but I, I think I need to take it back because uh, season two's Reptile Boy does establish the fact that Sunnydale does have a college. Oh, yeah, you're right. But also the thing I said. Yes, but also the thing you said. So Henry's like, 
Uh, I'm not sure if I want to go to like a community college in my hometown. I was thinking maybe I could go to an actual college somewhere out in the actual world. And Regina's obviously not happy with this because she wants him to stay close to her because she's a mom and this is a TV show, so that has to be the plot. Mm-hmm. Although I do have to say, I grew up in a town that had a college that, like, you couldn't have designed a college for me that was a better college. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even apply because I was so determined to not stay in my hometown. And then after my first semester at a college, it was really a bad fit for me. I ha- finally had to be like, all right. I'll go to the perfect college for me. Even though it's in my hometown. It was awkward. It, but, you know, once I was there, it's weird in college towns. There really is a division between the town and the college. So it really was like being in a different city. Oh, yeah. I grew up around Yale. Uh-huh. And I ended up taking a few classes there when I was in high school, and it's really a different universe. Like, just within the enclosed space of a college. I guess this is like a PSA to our 17-year-old listeners, if we have any 17-year-old listeners. First of all, we swear a lot, so you shouldn't be listening. But secondly... We swear and we talk about butt stuff a lot. But secondly, if your perfect college is in your hometown... At least check it out. Yeah. I do like how Henry kind of nopes out of the conversation when he realizes it's going to an awkward place. Yeah. He's like, okay, mom, bye. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I might not want to go to college here. And Regina's like, what? And he's like, bye. Yeah. Then he pulls away and Regina looks at him go and is all like sunrise, sunset. Oh, yes. We have no bananas. We have no bananas today. Back in Seattle, uh... Regina's mixing up a potion. She's trying to use the last bits of magic that she has to do something. I do like the fact that she's trying to harness magical energy from the storm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Trying to, like, steal Gothel's magic from the very spell she's using to oppose them. That's cool. Yeah. But then Rumpelstiltskin shows up and gives her the creepiest gift ever. So it turns out he took a bunch of blood from Nick's body and managed to distill some memory potion from it. I mean, I don't want to think too hard about how he distilled that, so let's move on. Yes, so now she has some curse-breaking potion, and she's like, so wait, now you decide to throw your hat into the ring? And Rumpel's like, eh, the series is almost over. Yeah. He was like, I know, we've only got three episodes left, so I figured maybe people would want to remember how cool I was when I was Rumpelstiltskin. Foreshadowing. Maybe I want to set up a really clear contrast between who I was and who I am. So. We're back at the Coven of Eights. Spell casting? Yeah. And... By the way, before we go to the Coven of Eight, which we know is below the movie theater, but the establishing shot we get is of the community garden. Yeah, and we go down the well in the center of the community garden. So I guess you go in through the movie theater, but the underground area stretches down below the community garden? Sure. I do appreciate that they're bringing back this thing from, like, the first episode. Yeah, it's nice that they're going back to that well. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Not intentional, but yeah. Oh, okay. So, 
they're casting the spell that'll kill all people and blah 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 and then one of the witches disappears and hook who's down there watching this is like what the fuck and it turns out she's been turned into a tree because that is their reward when they finish the spell they become trees so hook is talking to one cop who gets lines about this remember mother gothel enthralled him but now it sort of seems like he's a convert to her way of thinking. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be hypnotized. He just seems to be, like, on the mission. Because uh, once a witch uses all of her magic, once a witch puts all of her magic into the spell, then she turns into a tree as her reward. And Hook's like, so is that going to happen to you? And he's like, uh, no, I'm not a chosen one. I'm a helper assistant man. And... Thus, I won't be punished with the rest of humanity, but nor will I be rewarded. And I'm like, I went right to, what's that series of young adult novels where they're like abdicators and eradicators and escalators? And it's like you're either... Divergent? Yes, divergent, where it's like you're a farmer or you're an action person or you're a hat. Okay, I I was thinking more about this tract that was going around when i was in high school that was kind of a spoof of chick tracks Mm -hmm. except it was cthulhu and the elder gods and it was who will be eaten first because when you serve the elder gods your reward is a quick death it's just suddenly he's throwing out all of these terms like uh they they are chosen where i am merely a supplicant and i'm like when did you get all of this language when did you get so on mission what is he whatever whatever Hook manages to break out of his bonds and then punches the cop because why not? Um, And then he tries to free Tilly and Tilly's like, nope, got to do this. I can't, I can't stop. And Hook tries to forcibly stop her, but I guess there's enough magic in the world now that his poisoned heart reactivated and now he's, you know, all poisoned. Uh, I have to walk away like my heart hurts, sort of. I'm barely acting. Yeah, he has to leave her. Back in the flashback, mm, mm. Henry's like trying to fix his car, but Henry he's, classic. But he's clearly very bad at it, so Granny comes to help him. Regina comes out, and I really like she's got this kind of dark purple crushed velvet suit. I think it looks good. Yeah, she look. You know what? We haven't seen. We haven't seen Mayoral Regina in so so very long, but she looks good she looks really good as mayoral regina granny helps henry fix up his car and he like apologizes to regina about getting it dinged up and she's like it's fine it's your car look i know that we were having some difficulties about you maybe leaving but you know what i'm fine being a parent means learning how to let go of your children and since i'm apparently the only parent you have now because emma's too busy with your new family oh sad times yeah like look you can do whatever you want. Look at all of these acceptance letters you got. No, no, there's brochures. To show her support, she picked up a whole bunch of brochures for him. He should have really applied by now, though, right? Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, no, I guess it's, t- I guess at this point it's towards the beginning of his senior year. He really should have been thinking about this starting last year, though. Yeah, I... I feel like I was already applied to colleges when I started my senior year, but I don't know, maybe. I, I mean, he still has time, but 
the problem is he wants to have his extracurriculars and stuff already down and ready to go, and it's too late in your senior year to get all that, you know, going. And unfortunately, as we'll discuss later in this episode, he can't really put down... Any of the stuff he's actually done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he's got a lot of travel experience. Although, seriously, he could get a pretty good essay out of his stepdad teaching him how to sail. Oh my god, that would be such, like, college admissions gold. Yeah. Okay, I have to say this because I don't know the answer, so I really am hoping somebody on the Facebook page or on Twitter will let me know. Mm -hmm. But they really emphasize University of Wisconsin to the point that I looked to see if that's where Jared Gilmore was actually going and it was like a joke. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see that. It doesn't look like he's going to University of Wisconsin, so what's... The significance of it. Yeah, what's the joke? Why are we talking about Wisconsin? She even mentions how much he loves cheese, and it's like, that's not a trait of Henry. Not one that we've seen, anyway. I mean, cheese is delicious, but it's not like... Whatever. (laughs) He liked pizza back when he was being shady towards Emma over the whole Neil thing. Yeah, he liked crappy pizza. He was in New York, and they got, like, the worst pizza. Well... Let's not get into the thing about New York water pizza. Well, yes, of course. But what I mean is they were actually filming in Vancouver and the pizza he's eating definitely looked like Vancouver style pizza and Mm. not New York style pizza. Back in the present world, back in Seattle, uh, Ronnie has come over to Henry's house to, you know, decursify him with the vial of decursifying Nick juice. Yeah, he is packing his bags because he and Jacinda and Lucy are going to go out to the coast this weekend. And he's very excited about it, even though Regina's like, um, it's raining, like, a lot. And, you know, Pacific Northwest is usually a drizzle. This is like a thunderstorm. Maybe don't go out to the coast. And... I think it's that island that... Bainbridge Island, you're right. Yeah, that Jacinda talked about wanting to go to in the first episode. Yes. When she stole his car. You're right. I said the coast, but it's Bainbridge Island. It's just, it's a neat bit of synergy. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, Regina takes the remembering potion and pours it into his coffee. And then she sees the murder boards and is like, huh, well, this is interesting. And he's like, yeah, it was just a weird thought I had. Turns out I was wrong. And okay, so much to unpack here. Like, none of the stuff that came up last episode has been disproven at all. Like... You still know that Lucy's your daughter, even though you just met Jacinda. I mean, if anything, you should be really concerned about the fact that you and Jacinda apparently don't have true love. Also, you saw CGI glass fly into your heart and do a weird glow thing. Oh, I don't think he saw it. I think he just felt that. I just... It seems bizarre that last episode ended with him going, It's okay, Lucy. I believe. I believe. And this episode is like, Yeah, no, that was bullshit. Jacinda found the glass slipper. What What happened to the fucking chip cup, Henry? The chip cup that, like, perfectly matches Weaver's chipped cup. It's, it's for this episode to work, they're expecting us to swallow that Henry has just forgotten or ignored all of the evidence that he himself laid out last episode. And... To, like, further insult our intelligence, they're still showing us the Pepe de Silvia boards. Also, like, side point, if you had those up in your apartment, would you let anyone look at them? Yeah, it's kind of funny, because last episode he was all not letting 
Alice and Hook into his apartment because he was like, oh, these do not look great for me. And then Ronnie comes over the next episode and he's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, come take a gander at the board where I speculate that you are both the evil queen from Snow White and also my mother. Speaking of that one picture of him and Regina when he was a kid. Right? Which they, I feel like they just sort of dropped that. Well, I'm Regina's going to bring it back up again in this scene, I think. But it's... I, that's pretty hardcore evidence. But I, as I'm, I'm, I'm infuriated that the show wants us to think Henry lost his belief. I really, really am. It's just walking stuff back so that this episode can have a plot, and it. Uh, we talked about it before. It feels like the show is constantly just taking steps backwards for no reason. Yeah, I mean, we want plots to move forward. Can I talk about The Good Place? Yes. And I'm going to talk specifically about something about The Good Place that if you have not watched this episode of Once Upon a Time, will all become clear. And honestly, the fact that I just said that is going to give it away. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so as I have mentioned on this podcast before, but in case you weren't listening or when Michael Schur was creating The Good Place, he sat down with the creators of Lost, you know, who did this show, mm. and was like, hey, tell me where you messed up so that I cannot do that. And one of the things they talked about was kind of dragging things out with no payoff. And they talked about, according to Michael Schur, who talked about this in an interview, they talked about one of the greatest moments in Lost, which is... I was going to look up what season number it is, but I'm sorry, y'all. If if you know Lost, you know what I'm talking about. The moment with Jack with we have to go back. That was such a mind-blowing moment. And it did so much to move forward the plot of the island. And then after that, it was just like nonsense for a full season. And so when Michael Schur was creating The Good Place, he was like, oh, We have to do, we have to go back every single episode. And three seasons in, so far, they've pretty much pulled that off. I would say at least every other episode, there's a we have to go back moment. And they've got one season left. I think they're going to, I think they're going to stick the dismount. The thing about The Good Place that makes it such a good TV show is that it's always moving forward. Like... I'm not familiar enough with Lost to get the uh, impact of we have to go back. So what happens in that particular episode is, um, you know, the structure of Lost is the same as the structure of Once Upon a Time, where there's the stuff that's happening on the island, and then it flashes back to usually a single character's life, and the story of what's happening in their life relates to stuff that's happening on the island. Yeah, I got like three seasons into lost i think or two whenever jack's tattoo episode happened that's when i stopped watching that's fair that's a terrible episode so this episode is flashing between what's happening on the island and stuff that's going on with jack and just how terrible his life is and then the show ends in the flashback with jack going to kate and us, the audience, realizing that the scenes we've been watching thinking were a flashback were actually a flash forward. Yeah. That they got off the island. That things are really messed up now. And the final line of that season is Jack finding Kate and saying we have to go back to the island. 
you can see how I feel like this relates to this episode. I feel like this episode was trying to capture the magic of that. But unfortunately... Again, just with The Good Place, a show needs to feel like it's going forward, and Once Upon a Time is constantly hindered by this. Not just Once Upon a Time. It's a thing in a lot of shows where they feel unwilling to go too far forward. I honestly think this... I I stopped watching it a while before the end of it, but I feel like that is probably part of the problem with Game of Thrones in the last few seasons. Well... Maybe that's not so much the... I don't want to dissect that because I have a different issue with Game of Thrones. I, I think there's a whole different issue there, but I think there's, like, weirdly two contradictory problems with this season of Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. One is, as you said, an unwillingness to go forward. I remember we said that we would be really angry if it got to more than halfway through the season and they hadn't broken the curse yet, and here we are, three episodes from the end, with the curse sitting there unbroken. The reason we were so happy last week is because it seemed like even though they weren't going to break the curse, at least everyone knew and we could actually get a new story. So there's this weird unwillingness to move forward, but also this in this particular season of this show, this isn't a problem with other TV shows, this is this show, a constant resetting of what the plot of this season is. Like... They came in both not wanting anything to change and not knowing where they were going. Again, I go back to the first time I played D&D where I kept on having characters leave. I kept on having my characters leave so I could play a different character. Well, see, that's because whoever was game mastering you was not in control of the situation. If I had been running that game, I would have had all of those characters die off table and return as zombies so that you had to deal with your actions actually i i got them out of the game by killing them well then so much easier but yeah it just feels like there's it's a contradictory thing right it feels like they're obsessed with uh introducing new plot elements but also that they are completely unwilling to let the plot move forward yes it's like They're tired of the plot they have, and yet they somehow expect us to stay interested in it as nothing happens for episode after episode. Like, let's play a game. Okay. Okay. Who's the main character of this season? Could not tell you. See, I was going to say... What has Henry's character arc been? Well, that was going to be my next question after you identified the main character. Because... Yeah, we can't even do that, like, with any sort of certainty. But let's say Henry is the main character. As you said, yeah, what's his plot? Like, yeah, how has the character grown? How has he developed? He really hasn't at all. Yeah, he's shown up. He doesn't believe Lucy. He kind of falls in love. He's completely passive. Kind of falls in love with Jacinda, but then when Lucy tries to stop it, he stops it. But then when Lucy says she's okay with it, he's okay with it. Then when so much evidence piles up that it's impossible to ignore, he acknowledges that maybe his book is real. And then he realizes, no, he doesn't believe that anymore either. But it's not just Henry. I don't think anyone's really had a character arc. Jacinda doesn't have a character arc? Jacinda's barely been in the show, which is disappointing because she was one... All of the new characters seem like they should have interesting stuff going on. 
but they don't. Well, the reason these characters should have interesting things going on, the thing that should be driving them to develop as characters should be playing off the villain, which this season does not have. Like, for Jacinda to develop as a character, she needs to be playing against her stepmother, who died ages ago, and also, turns out, didn't even actually cast the curse. And Henry's interactions with Victoria, they... they like, she told him to get out of town a few times, and then they basically never interacted after that? I mean, compare that to the interactions between Emma and Regina. Well, that was the other thing. This is why I think Regina and Emma were the characters that people latched onto as opposed to Snow and David. Again, I don't know enough about the Once Upon a Time fan base to say this with any certainty, but Emma and Regina are both characters who had character arcs throughout the entire course of the show. Sometimes they went in bad directions, sometimes they went in stupid directions, but the characters were always growing, they were always evolving, they were always changing, and that made them far more interesting than the bland nothingness of Snow and David, where they were good people, and then they were still good people, and then they were good people who might have done something bad, but they felt bad about it. Yeah. Well, and Emma and Regina, their dynamic was what kept them growing as characters and changing as characters. The show hasn't really let anyone play off against anyone. Like, Reg let's talk about Regina, because Lana Perea is a fucking gift to this show, which would not have lasted half a season without her. Mm. Let's be clear. Yes. Who did they give her to play off of? Like, when the show starts, she's under the curse, so there's no one... For her to be struggling against. There was a little bit with Victoria. But to be honest. I don't even know if they shared a scene together. Other than the two scenes in the bar. Where she was trying to buy the bar. Yeah they interacted a little bit at the beginning of the show. But then that just sort of stopped being a thing. And they pretended like there was going to be a thing. Between her and Zelina. And then I guess Rebecca that Mater's stuff was gone. So she left. Yeah, that lasted maybe half an episode. We're implied that Kelly and... I mean, we found out that Kelly and Ronnie had a falling out, but then the curse was broken, and who cares? Uh, Baron Sandy and Regina? I mean, there seemed like there might be something there, but not really. I Even even Rumpelstiltskin, a classic standby for Regina to work off of, she's hardly had any time with. So... What are we doing? There's no character interaction. There's no character interaction and there's no character growth. It's... Well, it's, I, I don't think you can have the second without the first. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's very frustrating to have all of these talented actors not have anything to do. Yeah. Meanwhile... Henry's... So, back in the actual scene, Henry's talking to Ronnie about how he did kiss Jacinda, but nothing happened, and the only thing that broke was his belief that they're fairy tale characters, which is not even what we saw, because when Lucy came running in, they're like, Lucy, we believe! And she's like, did you kiss? And they're like, yeah, but nothing happened. Meanwhile, Regina is us. She's like, what about the glass slipper? And he's like, I don't know. Wait, that's not an answer! Well, it's just like the whole... Why isn't why isn't Henry's heart of the truest believer thing? You acknowledge it, but you don't explain why it's not a thing. 
oh yeah, that's not a thing. That's not satisfying. And Regina points it out in the dumbest way possible. She's like, you're just rationalizing like an adult. Yeah, again, the idea that your belief dies when you grow up has never been a thing in this show. And you know why it's never been a thing in this show? Because it doesn't work in the context of this universe. Yes, because fairy tales are real. There's no reason for that to be a thing. I mean, honestly, that's also kind of been the downfall of every Santa Claus movie ever. Well, yeah, because it's based on the... Yeah, because for any Santa Claus movie to to work... Like, there have to be presents that no one bought that are being delivered through magic. And no... Yeah, yeah. Santa Claus movies don't work. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in Jacinda's apartment, she is also packing to go to the island. And... She tells Lucy, like, Lucy's like, maybe we shouldn't go because an apocalypse is clearly happening. And Jacinda's like, which, I mean, even if you don't believe the apocalypse is happening, maybe it's not the best time to travel somewhere. It's just a bad storm, man. You did not grow up in Florida. No. Yeah, we we had we drove in storms like this all the time. Whatever. If you didn't leave your house because of storms like this, you would never leave your house in the summer months. Well, I'm just saying, if you're going to the beach, maybe wait until it's not thundering and lightning to go to the beach. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Sabine comes in to bring a duffel bag to Jacinda and mentions that she hasn't seen Drew in the past few days. <laughs> Oops. Poor Drew. Oh no, if all. Okay, so... Speaking of characters that just, like, drop in and disappear. Yeah, I don't know why we're supposed to be invested in, uh... Anyone? Well, especially in Sabine and Drew's relationship. They've been in two episodes together, and they have the chemistry of a dead fish. I mean, they're fine. Their chemistry's fine. But they've probably had a total of maybe eight minutes together on screen. Is it fine? I super don't believe them as a couple. It's, it's that Bob's Burgers clip. They certainly are standing next to each other. <laughs> like, they're two very attractive people who have shared space. I was just going to say, they're both attractive. That makes up for a lot. Yeah. So, so over in the police station, Hook is talking to Weaver about what's going on. And he's like, okay, Weaver, I don't know what's happening, but shit is fucking real right now he tells weaver either i'm crazy or eloise gardner drugged me and rumple's like no magic's real shut up about this you have literally you literally saw a woman turn into a tree shut up shut up shut up okay i think i think you're overplaying how this scene goes down because i actually really love it hook is like I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I did drugs. I don't know if Eloise Gardner made me insane. I don't know if a woman turned into a tree. And Weaver's just like, it's all real. No, Henry's that, book is real. That was that was not Rumple saying, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. That was me saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. Because we should not be three episodes from the end of a season of Once Upon a Time and have characters go, oh, I don't know. I don't think magic's real. <laughs> shut up! Wow. God, I am so pissed off right now. Okay, you're right that the timing of this is terrible, but I do really appreciate Robert Carlyle's reads reads on these lines. Why did he come into work? Why did Rumpelstiltskin come into work at the police station when he knows the apocalypse is happening? Why did Hook come into work when he's... What? 
What was the conversation? Okay, this scene opens with Hook and Weaver sitting at a desk together. How come his conversation didn't open with him coming in the door and saying, I just escaped from a cult? Like, he sat down and started to do paperwork. And then Weaver's like, so how was your weekend? And Hook's like, well, man, you wouldn't believe it. A cult kidnapped me and tied me up. Hey, by the way, they're still down there. We should maybe take care of that. We're literally going backwards in the same episode because he, the last time we saw Hook, he's running out of the underground coven lair and he's like, don't worry, don't worry, Alice, I'm going to go find some way to save you. Nope, I'm going to go to the police station and do paperwork for no reason. Honestly, the setup of this scene is hilariously nonsensical. Like, if you think for a second about what must have been happening five seconds before this scene started, it makes no sense. And Rumpel's like, look, we need to go and get them out. We need to go and get Alice out of there. And Hook's like, how? And Rumpel's like, I'm going to go down there. I don't have heart attacks. I'm going to, I don't have heart attacks when I go near her. I'm going to go down there, pick her up and leave. Also, Hook is like, wait, I know this isn't really important, but who am I in the book? And Weaver's like, how does he not know he read the fucking book? Also, he like, is missing a hand. I mean, not to be, but he's missing a hand. And, And then Weaver's like, don't worry about it, Captain. You know what? I said I was in two minds about this when we started the episode, but talking about it has made me viscerally angry. I hate those review shows where people just yell about stuff all the time. Hate's a strong word. I don't like them because I don't like when people yell at me. I know it's not at me, but even if they're yelling at me about other stuff, I don't like when people yell. But dear God, this is pissing me off. I could tell. I could tell. So they go to the bar to recruit... Uh, Margot, because blah blah, true love, blah blah. Maybe that'll snap Alice out of her. I guess it's mind control now. It wasn't before. No, but... no, she's locked into the ritual. She's locked in. Yeah. Okay, what I don't like is Weaver had no problem just being straight up with Hook. Like, the world is ending, you're Captain Hook, the book is real, Eloise Gardner is Gothel, and yeah, we should probably go do something about that. But then they go to talk to Margot, and they're like, um, Tilly's having an episode. We think you can pull her out of it. Like, that's so insulting. That's so condescending. So this is a scene I actually like a lot. Regina is at the graves of Henry's fake family. Oh, I hated this scene. Oh. I just kind of like the punchline that happens in this scene. Where Regina's like, we need to think of a way to snap Henry out of it by revealing that his family's not actually dead. So, just in case you forgot, because they haven't brought this up in a long time. Henry's false memories include having a wife and daughter and the two of them dying in a fire. And so Regina and Lucy are at the gravestones that mark where his wife and daughter were, where they died. And... Regina's all like, this is where his belief went to die. His his backstory, his backstory that Gothel made up was so sad that he f- stopped believing. Oh like God, he's Callahan. I'm just saying, Regina, I know you weren't good at making up backstories for people, but I don't think someone can make up a backstory so good that it negates a supernatural power that the person has. She was programmed with the darkest backstory of all. But I do love the fact that Lucy's like, so 
how are you going to prove that the family wasn't real? Are you going to dig up the bodies? And Regina's like, that's it. And Lucy's like, wait, what? <laughs> but no, it's the storybook. She's going to dig up the storybook. Because you'll remember last season, at the end of last season, the way they woke Emma up from the curse was having her touch the storybook. Except that didn't even really work, did it? Yeah, except it wasn't, because she touched it, and then uh, the Black Fairy had her throw it in an incinerator, and she ended up believing because she had faith in Henry. But anyway, that's the plan. They're going to find the storybook and have Henry touch it. Which... Okay. Fine. Do you think there are bodies in there? I mean, that is a very good question. You know what I was thinking would have been good to do this season instead of everything they did? Mm. Um, I think it might have been cool to have had flashbacks that were flashbacks to people's false curse memories. Yeah, that might have been cool. There's a lot of cool things that they could have done, but didn't. Which is weird because they changed tracks so many times you think they would have accidentally found a good one. I mean, no, they did. They did. They just immediately shifted off of it. Yeah, the serial killer thing was interesting for about 10 seconds before they got bored with it. Yeah, I mean... The Eloise Gardner is recruiting witches story was interesting until they got bored with it and gave up on it. (sighs) Well, so in the flashback... Henry is looking through all of his acceptance letters. He's been accepted to basically every college ever. Everybody loves him. He's like that guy from She's All That. I I don't remember She's All That that well. Oh, okay. So the the guy, the jock guy in She's All That is all like sad and confused because he's been accepted to all of his top colleges and he doesn't know what to do. That's his angst in that movie. So, uh, Henry's got into BU, Wesleyan, USC, and Bard. Fun fact about Bard, uh, Jean Grey's dad was a professor there. Is that a fun fact? Or is is that that just a weird piece of knowledge in your head? It is a fact. I actually did look at Bard when I was looking at colleges, and the tour was so awful, it convinced me that I would never be happy there, and I left halfway through it. Ooh, that is exactly the experience I had at University of Florida. Wow. Yeah. So, God, I hope they have different people doing the tour at Bard because the the girl they had being the tour guide there was so awful. I think most everyone left before the tour was over. She made it sound like a terrible university, which I don't think it is, but... That is... that is harsh. Um, You didn't mention he also got into University of Wisconsin? She mentions that separately. All of the other ones are grouped together. And then there's University of Wisconsin. But Henry has decided he's actually going to go to College of Storybook because he doesn't want to leave home. He's worried about leaving home. Well, it's because he feels like he can't be his authentic self in these other places. Be- Which is fair. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we talk, We used to talk a lot about how hard it must be for Henry to relate to other people because of the way he grew up. I feel like they came so close to talking about that here. Yeah, yeah, this is sort of this is sort of an extension of that. He's like, the essays I wrote, they don't reflect the real me. I had to make things up because my life is so foreign to people out there in the world. I don't know how I could ever just be a regular person. And Regina's like, I read your essays. They were amazing. And Henry's like, yeah, because I have a magical superpower related to writing. Another thing I can't talk about. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I definitely see Henry's point of view here. It would be difficult to, like, oh my god, imagine, okay, okay, 
I, I just recently watched two different essays by two different people about what a monster the sun in the birdcage slash La Cage is. Yes. And they are both right. Yes. He is a monster. But now I'm imagining Henry bringing home a girl from the real world for the first time and essentially the entire town having to pretend not to be fairy tales. God. That... Well, it'd be like the, it'd be like uh, that, the. The Wicker Man? No, no, the Wicked Witch season of Once Upon a Time, where Henry was, where Henry was cursed, and everyone in Storybrooke had to pretend that they didn't know him, and that magic wasn't real. Yes, yes. So we go from that back to Hyperion Heights, where Lucy has told Henry that Jacinda needs to see him in Ronnie's bar, and then when he gets there, she's like, "Just kidding." Ronnie and I set this up because we need you to touch this magic book. Which, I also don't know why they think this would work because it didn't work in the last season, but whatever. Well, you know, the kiss should have worked. So, what What even is reality? What's What are the rules of this world, Max? Touch this book and believe or we're going to beat you to death with it. Yeah. Here's the thing. The fact that Ronnie believes this so strongly, I feel like... That would make me doubt my doubt. Well, the fact that apparently a real-life version of this book exists. I do love the fact that uh, Ronnie legitimately grave-robbed Victoria Belfry to get... Yeah, she did. She did. She dug up Victoria Belfry's grave to get the book. Dark. And Ronnie shows, like, she brings up the picture, which they haven't mentioned in, like, 14 episodes. And also, she brings out the adoption certificate, which, remember, way, way back in this season, she found her certificate of adoption of Henry and is like, look, look, Regina Mills adopted Henry Mills. Look, Regina Mills' signature is the same as my signature because we're the same woman. And you're Henry. And what the fuck, Henry? Like, seriously. You're literally, genetically, Lucy's dad. We shouldn't be having to go through this. Okay, we do need to calm down now, though. Mm-hmm. Because this is legit a powerful scene if it had been built up. Yes. Because Henry's response to that is not, magic is not real, which is what he's been saying all episode. It's, if this is real, how come Snow and Emma and Charming aren't here to help us? Yeah. Like, what... What the fuck about family helping family and always finding each other? This can't be real because if this was real, I wouldn't be alone. Yeah, if if I have this family, how come they've never been there for me? Which is better. It is better. It's just this scene should have come much, much earlier. And not had all of that weird adults stop believing in magic build up in front of it. Yeah, because... This is a legitimate thing. I could see Henry being like, okay, I don't believe because if this is true, it would mean that I had the support system that's just not there for me now. Hey, Max. Yeah? What is time? Oh, good. We get to do this. I'm guessing this is the actual time twist. Yeah, this is the time twist everyone was talking about. I don't know. There's still two more episodes to go. Here's the thing. Everybody was like all confused by the time twist. This makes perfect sense to me. Maybe that's, maybe it's not actually the time twist then. Maybe there's going to be like three time twists in a row. Well, that... I mean, there's already been two. If you count the thousands of years ago twist. Yes, that was the first one. This would be the second one. So maybe there's going to be a third one where it turns out they're all dinosaurs or something. 
oh man, oh man. And then it turned, because you know, Disney does own that old 90s TV show, Dinosaurs. Yes. And they also did a Dinosaurs movie, which no one remembers. It was CG. Yeah, but not, not based on the TV show, Dinosaurs. Not based on the TV show. It was this crappy CG Dinosaurs movie, which no one remembers. Okay, so The Last Dinosaur, right? I think it was Walk with Dinosaurs or... I don't know. Doesn't matter. Point is, instead of, like, having the twist revealed to us in a cool way, Regina just tells him the twist, which I think is a real, just, encapsulation of all of the weaknesses of this season. Right? The last episode that I was talking about has Jack running up to Kate and saying, we need to go back. This one just has Regina telling Henry what's going on, which is... Hey, Henry, the curse didn't bring us back to the present day. The curse brought us to essentially the moment that the present day ended in the last season, right? So right before Henry's about to start senior year, that's when they ended up in Hyperion Heights. So Emma and Snow and David haven't come tearing into Seattle because their Henry is still in Storybrooke. Hey, remember way back when, when you needed to do time travel, how you needed like... A baby? A a baby and a heart and a brain and someone's courage. And it was this giant ass thing that no one could time travel, except now anyone can do it all willy nilly, including with the dark curse. Okay, yes, but also time does move differently in the different realms. We've already established that. So it actually does make sense to me that if you manipulated that in the right way, you could drop yourself wherever you wanted to go. Which, honestly, maybe Zelina should have studied up on that a little more instead of trying to kidnap babies. Hmm. Point. So, yeah. But it's funny because this is the kind of twist that should have been obvious because it's not ten years later. And it should be because Lucy is ten. Yeah. This this season should be taking... She mostly grew up in a different realm, though. So time could have moved differently there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Imagine how fucked up that would be for, let's say, Emma. Emma sees her son go off, except she didn't for whatever reason. Like, Emma checks in with her kid, uh, finds out that he might be interested in someone. Then the next time she sees him, oh, by the way, I got married and you weren't invited and I have an eight-year-old now. That actually happens in the movie Intergalactic, but because of... Yeah, space. Space. So space stuff like it seems weird that they didn't interact more him and emma jennifer morrison only signed on for three episodes emma had a new family and ditched the hell out of henry that's fucking depressing so anyway henry was already not on board about believing in fairy tales and he's definitely not on board about believing in time travel so unfortunately regina trying to fix things has made things even worse i don't know why i don't see this gift all the time henry tells regina i am not your boy wonder i am a sad grown man you're right we should see that gift all the time also boy wonder is one of the very few things that belongs to warner brothers and not disney so enjoy jail henry you're going to property rights jail oh anyway henry reveals that the other reason he doesn't believe is because he didn't save his wife and daughter, except obviously he never had a wife and daughter. But this goes back to what I said before. Apparently, Gothel can write backstories so tragic that they erase fundamental features of your personality. Oh, God fucking damn. And he storms out of the bar, and Regina's like, 
when would the season end? Wait, is that Regina? Because I think that was me saying that. So, in the underground magic lair, normally I don't like it when cops enter a room with a gun drawn, but in this case, eh. I mean, he knows he's walking into a bunch of people performing a cult ritual, but... They kind of just let him walk out last time, so... Yeah. He... So... Hook, Weaver, and Margot come upon the, the coven doing doing their thing. And Margot's like, wow, you did not prepare me at all for this. But I can handle it because I did lots and lots of psychedelic drugs on my backpacking travels. Which is kind of a good line. <laughs> so she goes over, she walks around the circle up to Tilly and she's like, hey, Tilly, how's it going? How you doing? Oh, by the way, like three of the witches have turned into trees at this point. Yes. And I just love her trying to talk. She's talking to Tilly like you would talk to someone who was having a bad trip. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. Which makes total sense, because Margo's already told us that's her frame of reference. Which, honestly, not the worst frame of reference for this. And Tilly just force pushes her out of the way, and then she shrinks Margo and Hook and Weaver for no reason i mean it makes sense that alice right alice in wonderland would have shrinking and growing powers but that's literally never been touched on before i mean i guess it's part of her wishing power subs i mean her powers basically make her omnipotent she's another henry she's got the wish powers except unlike henry hers aren't really explained yeah well she's the guardian that's enough I just love how unnecessary her shrinking the three of them is. It's bizarre. Anyway, then all of the other witches start turning into trees, and Margo's like, I feel like you did not adequately prepare me for what I was walking into. Which, fair. And they're like, no, Tilly, stop it. We're pitched up because we're shrunken now. Also, Not, not t- really, but I've never understood that conceit. Really? It makes sense to me. That you'd be higher pitched the smaller you are? Yeah, because you're like, lung capacity is smaller. You'd be pitched up. It makes sense. It totally does. But Tilly is... But Tilly's the only one who hasn't turned into a tree. So they're all like, Tilly, stop now before you turn into a tree too! Why would anyone join Mother Coffle's coven? Well, okay. What's the upside? I have to assume that at least some of these witches are also tree spirits, so... Turning into a tree for them is just becoming a tree spirit again. Also, way to establish what's her bucket. I forgot. I already forgot Stormer's real name. Margo? Stormer. Oh, oh. Like, Did we even see her in this episode? No, I you mean. You mean from last episode? Yeah, I guess she's one of the witches. Serafina. Serafina. What was the point of establishing her last episode if she literally did nothing? I mean, I guess it was to have someone that Mother Gothel could explain her plan to. Ugh. But she could have just said it out loud. We would have run. We would have ran with that. She could have been talking to her dead sister. What a waste! What a waste! Anyway, back above ground. Okay, this is. I don't get Jacinda and Sabine's thinking here. They found a death card tarot card inside of the duffel bag that belonged to Drew. So they're like, oh no, this clearly means that Baron Samdi has killed him since... Lucy says that he deals in tarot cards. 
So I guess finding this card in the missing Drew's bag means that we should go to his house and confront him by ourselves with no backup. That's that's what they do. That's what they do. And Baron Samdi is like, no, the death card means change. I'm sorry, I can't not make that joke. I. Uh, <gasps> the happy squirrel. Right? It's like, what is... What? But I do love that he continues his thing of being straightforward because they're like, where's Drew? And he's like, I'm tied up in the closet. And they go over to the closet and there he is tied up in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I. You know what? Baron Samdi? Respect. Respect. And then Baron Samdi's like, now I'm going to tie you up in the closet so that I can keep doing whatever my evil plan is. And then he uses a voodoo doll to... Stab Sabine in the leg? Yeah. Basically... He stabs her in the leg and she's like, ow, that hurts. And he's like, well, then let me tie you up in the closet or I'll do it again. And it's like, "Mm, I feel like you fight through that pain. Yeah, I feel like the two, he's not very far away. The two of you could probably rush him. Yeah, like, learned helplessness, I think. Seriously. Also, also, I just, the woman who plays Sabine is very, very beautiful. She's an extraordinarily beautiful woman. Yeah. God, can she not act? Hey, I think she's fine. I suppose she rises to the level of what they give her to do. That's very mean, but also accurate. Because she's like, ow, I guess. It was very Hook being like, my heart, I I, I think, whatever, I'm walking out of this scene. Quickly. Yeah, no, I think everyone's just really done with this season, including us. Yes. Henry goes to talk to Lucy, and Lucy's like, I hate you! I hate you, and I wish you'd never grown up! And he was like, did you not read the chapter where I was kidnapped by Peter Pan? Never wanting to grow up is generally bad. Also, you wouldn't have been born if I never grew up. You know Yeah. How... Wait, did I tell you how babies are made? Because you need an adult dong to do that. Henry's response is, so I guess we're not going to the island. And he, like, sadly walks away, which, dude, that's sad. He looks at the adoption papers that Regina has given him, and then he's like, wait, I have a thought. And he calls Regina's phone number. All right, so is it just me, or is he very lucky Regina still uses a landline? Right? Well, maybe because she's a mayor, she needs to, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, that's probably, yeah, it's probably a mayoral mansion thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, she created the world when landlines were more common, so it would make sense that she would still have one. Oh, God, she did in the 80s. Yeah. So he calls the landline, and Henry picks up. (gasps) Yes. And then all of a sudden there's... Oh, see? See? Here's the thing. This, This should have been the moment. Regina shouldn't have told him... Regina should not have told him that they traveled back in time before this moment. Then this moment could have had the impact on us that it has on Henry, who hears himself as a child, as an 18-year-old, and is like, oh my god, and then we get a flashback of all of these Henry moments. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of robbed this moment of all of its power for no reason. I mean, he could have called that number on a whim. It didn't have to be because he knew that they had traveled in time. Yeah. God damn it! This is sort of the strongest part of the episode. Oh, by far. It is neat having Henry interact with his younger self. His younger, way more competent self. Oh, God, can you imagine how depressing it would be to get a phone call from yourself in the future and you're just this giant-ass loser? Oh. 
Ugh. So, he pretends to be someone who works with Regina, which... Well, uh, I mean, he doesn't... He, Henry just makes the assumption that he's someone... He says, are you someone my mom knows from work? You know who this is, though, right? <gasps> Miss Ginger? Miss Ginger Watch 2019! <laughs> oh... Mm. Anyway, Henry, like, weirdly opens up to this stranger on the phone about how he's not sure who he is or or what what his place is in the world. And adult Henry is like, dude, tell me about it. So, adult Hem- Henry has all of his memories, right? The it, weird... Yes, when he makes the call, he has all the memories, which means adult Henry remembers getting this call as an 18-year-old. And he remembers the advice he gave himself which he repeats, it's you know, blah, 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 family's important, blah, blah, blah. Home is where your people are, so... You... Your real home's in your friend's chests. Exactly. Also, some actionable advice. Check behind your dresser because a gift fell back there. I feel like young Henry should probably have more questions. Well, that's definitely a creepy piece of advice, because who has been watching his dresser? <laughs> But that's okay. He Henry finds the tiny gift behind his dresser, and it is from Tiny. Hey, look who still exists. Ooh, Tiny. And it's a magic bean, so presumably that's the magic bean that he used to go yeah. start this whole Mishigas. It is neat that it's from Tiny. You know, we were assuming that it was the magic bean that they went out of their way to get in the last episode and then not use. Right. But I guess it wasn't. I guess it's a different bean from Teeny. Well, we know that Tiny has been tending the beanstalk fields here in Storybrooke, so it's actually nice. It means that there are presumably multiple magic beans that can be used, so it makes sense that, like, Regina came and joined him, and um, that it wasn't a one-way trip for him. Yeah. So, I like that we know from this that travel in and out of Storybrooke has become a possibility. Yeah, a more commonplace thing. Yes. Which we did get the groundwork for it late in the red episode, the last Ruby episode. Oh, yes, yes. So, now that Henry has all of his memories back, he's like, wait, Lucy, I totally am your dad! I completely remembered everything! God, Lucy must have so much emotional whiplash. Oh my god. I'm These last, like, this last 24 hours for her have probably been really, really scarring. It's a good thing kids are so resilient. Yeah. So he's like, look, I believe I remember everything. I have to go stop my mom from dying in a final confrontation against Gothel. And this might be, I I hate how it comes out, but I do love that Regina's legitimate plot against Gothel is to sneak up from behind her with a baseball bat and beat her to death. Yep. And Gothel's like, and Gothel just throws up a hand and causes the bat to shatter. See, Regina's one flaw in this plan was that she used a wooden bat. Right. So Gothel could sense it. She's like, you were going to kill me with a dead tree? Of course, now what Regina has in her hand is a fucking stake. I love how she just, this is a really, I wonder how many times they had to do this, but Lana Priya just sort of flips the broken bat into her hand so that she can use it as a stake. She, she just flips the position of it. In a very smooth motion. It's very buffy. Yeah. So back in the flashback, Henry has returned from his graduation party. Well, I guess it's not a flashback. I guess it's happening right now. Back in Storybrooke, Henry returns from his graduation party. Regina says that he left early and he's like, yeah, uh, Grumpy was getting really drunk and I was super uncomfortable. <laughs> Which... Too real. Too real. 
But he tells Regina that he's decided that he is going to go off to college and, like, make a name for himself because he realized that Storybrooke will live inside of his chest. Well, he's talking about the thing that we saw him do at the beginning of Yeah, he's just going to take a gap year. He's going to take a gap year to go do fairy tale shit for a year or so. And then he'll, as soon as he figures out who he is as a person, he'll come back and go to college, which... I, I don't More wanna... American kids should take gap years. Yeah. And I don't want to be, like, anti-college, but, dude, you kind of... You have a few destinies here. You probably don't need college. I'm assuming you're probably going to have to do author shit for a while. Like... He can do author shit and do college at the same time. Yeah, I guess. What is he going to get out of college, though? I mean, I, I, think, col- I, I think college is a great... T- is a great socializing period between being a child and being an adult so i mean he would definitely get that out of it i just feel like being in college would sort of commit you to being a real person in the real world in a way that he's probably not willing to just give up on fairy tale stuff yeah so it's good that he's taking this gap year to figure out what he wants basically a gap year that ends up being a decade a gap decade yeah like this is kind of like his cut I was going to say this is like his roomspringa, but college would be the roomspringa. This is just him deciding to stay on the farm, as it were. Yeah. So, meanwhile, uh, Regina is not doing so hot in her fight against Gothel. Gothel mystically throws her through... The air. Well, she she breaks through like a sign or something. Yeah, she throws her through, I don't know, some sort of wooden structure in the community garden. And she lands on the ground and is unconscious because she doesn't have magic. So she cannot take a hit as well as she used to be able to. Yeah, I was about to say, geez, Regina, uh, you managed to take being thrown through a building pretty well, but no magic. So it makes sense. Honestly, she takes that hit like a champ, all things considered. (laughs) Yeah, true. Gothel goes to the well and is, like, drawing fire out of it from the spell that's being cast and everything. And Henry runs up to Regina and, okay. This is a really good piece of synergy. I do like this. I like this a lot. He kisses Regina on the forehead. And just as when Emma kissed him on the forehead at the end of season one, that familial love broke the curse. Him kissing Regina on the forehead now breaks the curse it's also a reflection of during the wicked witch season when regina kissed him on the forehead and broke the curse on him yes except in this case they both remember but it's still it's a very nice moment also i do like that it jumps down to the underground lair where alice Margot, hook well we was already weak but so alice Margot, and hook all wake up simultaneously and are like oh oh yeah and then Alice and Robin Jr. run into each other's arms and hug. Then they do kiss. They do kiss after that. But I was I was kind of upset for just a second because I'm like, really? Hon- really? But then they do kiss. Honestly, after my complaining last week about how they weren't allowed to be affectionate with each other, I thought that this was a good amount of affection between the two of them. So Regina's up. She's got her magic back. Oh, Yeah. So it's time for it's the... It's a witch fight. Yep. It's time for the big confrontation. The circle of eight members who were who were tiny trees are now big trees. And uh, Henry's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it took me so long to get to this place. And Regina's like, no worries. It's time for me to kick some ass. And Gothel's like, I think you forgot what season we're in. Like, 
I'm very sorry, Regina, but you haven't been mystically relevant since, like, season four. Oh, so mean. I mean, it's kind of sad that Regina hasn't really held her own in a magic fight in a really long time in this show. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, she did pretty well when the Evil Queen came back into being a thing, but... Yeah, but Weaver shows up instead with Tilly and Hook and... Is like, um, yeah, but Alice is more powerful than you, and she's gonna defeat you, even though we haven't seen any of this. And Alice is like, no, I can't. And then Hook, like, overcomes his poison heart through strength of will? Neat. Yeah, he's like, I realized that I just didn't want to not die hard enough. He, like, takes her hand to give her his power, like, in the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, and then, uh, and then... Margot takes her other hand and she's like, oh, right. You know what makes people more powerful, mom? Lesbianism! And then she shoots a bright light and turns Gothel into a tree. I mean, to be fair, we've always found that to be true in this show. Yeah, it's true. Lesbian Lesbianism makes magic more powerful. So, like, Also, now that Alice knows who she really is, it gives her, like, a strength of spirit or something. Gothel is letting them talk for a really long time. Seriously seriously like but then she just throws light at her and turns her into a tree almost immediately the end and then this should be the end of the season slash series we should be done yeah boy was that anticlimactic Uh, i'm a tree now this is bad i guess even though i was a nature spirit before but uh, yeah gothel's whole plot was unsatisfying i believe it was as the french say hella dumb but yes uh gothel's a tree and now everyone's all that last act in once more with feeling you know the battle's done and we kind of won where do we go from here um we go to baron samdi's apartment because remember he's still got drew tied up in his closet and now he's got jacinda and sabine there too but, like, they... I, I do like the uh, fact that as soon as the spell broke, they just kick their way out of the closet and they start rushing at Baron Samdi with... Okay, wait. So they were in... It was like a supply closet. So I don't know what it is that Jacinda is holding. It's some sort of piece of metal. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that what Sabine is holding is toner from the copier. That's what a toner <laughs> cartridge in an industrial copier looks like. And Drew has, like, nothing. Yeah, Drew is also there. Drew has nothing to offer. Well, he's handsome and he's there. Yeah, and he's like, wow, Tiana, you are awesome. And she's like, oh, that's all I needed. A man to tell me I'm awesome. There's the queen I remember. Oh, yes, you are also someone I guess I'm romantically into, I guess. And then Jacinda's like, all right, I'm out of here. Gotta go find my man and make out with him. Suck it, assholes. So, so that- Facilier has teleported off to not be the main villain of the last two episodes, I'm guessing. Yep, yep. And we go back to the community garden where Henry and Regina are all like... Blah, blah, blah. I remember that you're my mom and I remember that you're my son and I love you and I love you too. And then we cut to what's happening in Storybrooke. Where Henry has left a note out for his mother, for Regina, 
He's left out a note that says, this is the personal essay that I wanted to write. And it's not a very good personal essay. It's basically just a long speech about the importance of family to put underneath of our closing montage, where we see everybody staring off into an uncertain future. Yes. So, uh... Yeah, it's funny. Of all of the things that they abandoned in this season, the one thing I didn't mind them abandoning was the long... Pointless wrap-up speeches. Yet here we are. Yep. So Henry, so young Henry talks for half past forever about how love and family and family and love and importance. And I'm like, you could have literally just used this as the essay. You don't. Say yeah, he doesn't any- talk about magic. Yeah, there's no fairy tale shit in it. But I'm assuming the essay that he made up about his stepdad teaching him how to sail with whatever, whatever. So, yes, long rambling essay. Henry's going to go explore the world and there's always, I guess he does mention that there's always going to be magic as long as there's family, but. As long as someone believes in you, there will always be magic, which is a nice thing to say. And also you could totally put in your college essay, although I, whatever. I mean, it's a little trite, but I mean, aren't all college essays kind of trite? Yes, definitely. Because they are by definition what an 18 year old thinks is deep. Yep. So Rumpelstiltskin goes to the evidence locker, presumably to check on his dagger. Hmm. Hmm. He checks the safe in the evidence locker and finds that it's empty. So he, of course, goes to Baron Samdi's because that's obviously where it's going to be. And he tosses Baron Samdi's office until he finds it and is totally relieved. And y'all, it's not the dagger. It's the journal that Belle made him about how much she loved him because he really is a changed man. He he wanted Bell, not power. Also, also. I do like that Baron Samdi apparently broke into the safe and then was like, you know what? I might as well take whatever's in here, even if it's not what I'm looking for. I like that the whole point of the journal in Up, and this is clearly taken from Up, and the whole point of that journal is like the adventure was us, us being together. But because they're magical creatures, this journal is actually about trips that they took like to hawaii and balloon rides and to fairy tale places i guess yeah it was what's the name of the, arendelle to arendelle you would not think rumple would be welcome in arendelle well you know wherever yeah so baron samdi comes in and tries to evil off with rumple and then rumple starts to force choke him and baron samdi is like haha you can't do it because you're not evil because you love Belle. haha uh-huh, you love someone Haha, ha, you have someone in your life who it's worth doing things for. And he's like, you're a shadow of your former self. You're such a different person than you used to be. You used to be a worse version of you. And then he gets stabbed from behind by the Dark One. <gasps> yes, the Dark One who is Wishverse Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, he stabbed him with the dagger. Wishverse Rumpelstiltskin has the dagger now. And I mean... Sure, Robert Carlyle's Rumpelstiltskin brought so much to this show, it makes sense you would bring him back, but goddamn. This is sort of taking who we thought should be the big bad for the season, Wish vs. Henry. It is sort of a take on that, and I guess I don't mind it because it is sort of a good open-at-the-close moment. Yeah, I guess I don't... I No, you're right, I don't mind it. I. It's just... It's sort of emblematic of a lot of the problems of this season where it's payoff with no setup. 
Honestly, I wouldn't mind it if, you know what would have been great? What? If we had had one singular villain for this season, and this moment had happened with Wish vs. Rumple stabbing whoever that villain had been. Because, let's be clear, Baron Samdi didn't really do anything very villainous this year. Like, he almost got the Dark One dagger once, and he cured Henry. Also, he had weird sex with Regina off-screen. Sex that she apparently needed a day to recover from. I mean, that's not evil. Yeah. But if... I mean, either's curing Henry, like... Any, any villain, if any villain had been the primary villain, and then now, two episodes from the end, Wish vs. Rumpelstiltskin had shown up, that would have been a cool ending. I but mean, now it just seems like it's just another villain they're trying to throw against the wall because, you know, Lady Tremaine didn't work and Gothel didn't work and Nick didn't work and Samdi didn't work and, like, what is happening with Ivy. this season? I forgot Ivy! How could I forget Ivy? Like, yeah, this season went through, like, five big bads and then they ended up on Rumpel. It's, yep. I, I, I get what they're going for. It's the end of season six of Buffy. It's, you have these various established big bads, and then they get overshadowed by Dark Willow. Yes, but that only works if you have a singular established big bad. Yeah. Like the trio in season six. All right. We're, so, al- we're almost to the finish line, y'all. We're so close. God, I turned on this episode way more than I thought I would. Because, the let me let me be clear. The good parts of this episode are really good. Henry's conversation with his younger self. Actually, most of the Henry stuff. Henry's conver- Most of the Henry stuff that isn't reliant on him suddenly not believing for no reason. Like, his conversation with his younger self, his scenes with Regina post him believing... And his flashbacks, like Henry Classic's flashback scenes, are all really good. It's just they're so offset by everything else. When it was good, it was very, very good. And when it was bad, it was Once Upon a Time Season 7. <laughs> yep. Next week is episode 21. It's called Homecoming. And the Netflix description literally tells us nothing that we don't already know from this episode, which is... With the curse broken in Hyperion Heights, the residents gather to toast their happy ending, but a dark foe from another realm has other plans. I mean, the Netflix descriptions are usually pretty hit or miss. Like, this, the one for this episode said that uh, Henry regains his memories with a faithful assist from his inner child. It is, in fact, his outer child. Weird. Yeah, accurate. Child. Loosely meaning 18-year-old self, I suppose. Also, the Netflix description for this episode said Gothel offers Regina a deal to save her family. But that was like five seconds at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So... Well, writing descriptions is hard. Yes. Especially if you don't actually watch the episodes. Hmm. So, I guess that'll about do it. Do you have recommendations based off this? I do not. Yeah, I can't think of anything either. Uh, For Fashion Corner, I do want to point out how really good all of regina's mayor outfits are yes it was great to see mayor regina again and they're i i do like that they are sort of toned down versions of her old power suits she has this because she herself has kind of evolved yeah she has this like burberry-esque scarf Mm -hmm. that i really like when she i mean it probably was burberry yeah 
that she's wearing in the post uh, Henry leaving his graduation party scene. Like, all of her flashback looks are really solid. I just want to point out that we did see Jacinda in a blue coat when the curse was broken to yeah. call back to Cinderella's blue dress. Other than that, though, I don't have any Hyperion Heights fashions to highlight. Oh, well, Regina's rose. Uh, oh, yes, and of course, Regina's rose leather coat. But, yeah, I think that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, I think so. Welcome to Storybook is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any television, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Face, see.